Welcome back. You're listening to the speed round of Amateur Hour. We're so pressed for time that we're going to do it all in 15 minutes. So we're going to talk really fast. We're going to talk about sports. And uh, my name is Max and I'm your host of this professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. And I'm also with your other host, Trace. And uh, we're going to be uh, speeding through this, powering through this. So uh, welcome back and uh, let's let's talk sports. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 63. That's a flip score of 36. And that's what I'm hoping to see today with game seven in the Celtics versus the Bucks. I need an absolute beatdown. And it's not just for the team, it's for my mental health, my cholesterol, my blood pressure, and all of the above. Uh, because it has been a beatdown of a series and it's been really intense. So we're going to be talking about a lot of things today. And we're going to be talking about some more playoff basketball as it's heating up. And today, as before we were, or actually we are recording this before two pivotal game sevens, both between the Mavs and the Suns and the Celtics and the Bucks. So by the time you listen to this, you will know what has happened. We do not. Uh, but we're still going to be talking about kind of their series, their years as teams uh, and all things considered. So we're going to dive right into that, but we're going to get those good vibes rolling with the weekly highs. The Weekly Highs. Yeah, Max, let's start with let's start with let's start with my personal high. Okay. So, um, you know, spring is in is in full bloom in May. Spring has sprung. Yeah. We're feeling we're feeling the we're feeling the the heat definitely, you know, with summer impending, but the the great part about spring, other than my allergies absolutely killing me. Oh, is, is this the highs or the lows, Ray? <laughs> well, that's why I said other than that is like, you know, everything coming into full bloom and, you know, you're able to grow a lot more, a lot more stuff. So, you know, at home we got, we got a pea plant. We're growing some peas in a little, in a little box. And, you know, that's like sprouting like crazy. Um, and uh, we're growing basil. And okay. it's just like every, every time I look over and I'm like, I wonder how the plant's doing. It's like the leaves are getting bigger. Like by the day, I'm like, oh man, the n- nature and life just like you know right before your eyes. Like I wish I, I wish I did one of those like time lapse videos of like something growing. Oh look, yeah, I'll always love watching those. You know, like the mushroom or the, uh, it's usually like something small, like a like a like a mushroom or a small plant. They never do it for like a tree, right? Because mm. it just takes too long. It's like years. So, um, but yeah, you know, just being able to grow stuff in the spring, potentially be able to be used in, in like cooking and stuff. Game changer, game changer. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, love to see if we can, you know, grow some, grow some nice basil, put it in some, some tomato sauce, put it in some pasta. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. That'd be oh sick. yeah. Mamma mia. Some nice fresh basil. You put yeah. it with your mozzarella. Oh, mama yes, mia. Yeah, oh, that sounds, yeah, that's a good high. Mm. Yes, sir. Okay, well, that's good. Nice. Get that fresh basil. Absolutely. So let's move on to the sports high. Um, And that uh, that award goes to uh, someone we know around here, Max. Very, mm. very fondly. He has since moved on from this area. And that is Tom Brady. Oh. And, uh, it came out this week that Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. 
after retirement will be moving to Fox Sports as their analyst on game broadcasts. And the New York Post came out and disclosed, you know, they're the only one to disclose this information so far, disclosed that they're, that the terms of his agreement with Fox Sports is a 10-year, $375 million deal. That huh. would... And and from from all we know with Tom Brady, he's been known in the past, like in you know in New England for taking less money, and you know what I mean he, he he's actually going to be making more on this contract than his career earnings as an NFL player. What? Yeah. So I think I don't know. Let me. I, I it's around. I think his his career earnings as an NFL player is around three hundred and thirty ish million, if I remember correctly. But he's been in the league for, I mean, twenty twenty two years now. Twenty one. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be twenty two wow. years. He just got a ten year three seventy five million dollar deal. So he's living wow yeah, living his best life. You know, he's got he's got the job whenever he wants it. He can. You know he can play football for as long as he wants, and then he comes in and he gets and he gets t- ten years from that point on. Boom, thirty-seven and a half million. Wow, thirty-seven and a half million per year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. making my. more than Romo, making more than Aikman, making more than Buck. He's gonna That's be the highest. More than Aikman with the new contract? Yeah, I think Aikman's contract is uh, nineteen or twenty. Nineteen yeah. or twenty million. Yeah. Okay. Right? Uh, and uh, like 18, 19 million. And then Tony Romo is along like 19, 20 million, if I remember correctly. So he's going to be making, he's going to be straight up to the top of the list when he starts that deal. 37 and a half. They wanted him bad. They wanted him bad. And I'm, I'm interested to see who else was uh, interested in him. Like, was there a bidding war for Tom Brady? Did, you know, did Fox just come in and say, we're just going to, well, you know, open and close case. We don't even want any competition. We're just going to give him the highest offer he's ever seen. Ever. Yeah. yeah. That's more than he made being an NFL player. Yeah. That is insane. That's the biggest. That's the biggest news. It's like, wow, he just, <laughs> he outdid himself with this one. Well, hey, I saw that contract and, you know, again, he's the GOAT. So for me, I'm like, hey, go get your back. I mean, it feels bad, you know, when we're making chips and, and rice over here as regular people. But uh <laughs> Hey, good for Tom, man. Oh. But what do you what do you think about how do you think he'll be as a as a game broadcaster, as an analyst? I like, like listening to Tom Brady talk. He's super smart, but it, yeah. I'm I'm a little worried about the personality, not gonna lie. Like yeah, he'll it could be a little like dry at times, but uh I think he'll provide good analysis really. I don't know. I mean, is he gonna did they decide if he's color or play by play? probably be color right i would assume yeah i would assume he'd be color and i would assume that it would be kevin burkhart and him because kevin burkhart and greg olsen will be this year as the main fox fox sports analysts like fox sports right. broadcasters um i'm assuming tom brady will just take the greg olsen spot and it'll be kevin burkhart because you know buck and aikman have moved on to monday night football so right uh, it's gonna be interesting like he does. He does have, uh, you know, the troll sense of humor as we see from online, and the, the dry, the dry humor and, and things of that nature. If he can kind of bring that out, I feel like uh, people will, will start to start to like him on these broadcasts. I'm a huge fan yeah. of like a Peyton Manning. Like I always think that Peyton Manning should be, uh, one of these game broadcasters. I know he did like the Peyton and Eli cast and stuff. 
but like that was just so low quality and like it was like so like if they they weren't in the same room and they were doing a zoom call with like russell wilson's face like right up to the camera and like it's just like it, like but they were so hilarious that i feel like peyton manning should do a should do like the biggest game on 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 a network here and there like that should be that should be a thing yeah i agree uh you know Shrey, I'll give Tom Brady the benefit of the doubt. I think he'll be good. I think, yeah, I, I think, think he'll, be, he'll good. be good. Well, I hope so for thirty-seven and a half million a year. But yeah, I thought post post New England Brady has really sh- uh, shown his peacock colors. He his wants feathers. to live the life, man. He wants to live the life. You know, so, uh, so he'll go. definitely he'll definitely be more open and you know honest and making trolls and jokes and everything. So. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, that sounds good. Uh, we're gonna move over uh, to the lows here. <laughs> the lows, and I'm gonna start with my personal. Got so it. My personal low is that this weekend, yesterday, I went to a pool party. I was with uh, one of my roommates and a bunch of their friends who all happen to be dentists. Um, I'm one of the few incognito non-dentists. People just kind of assume that I am because I'm with that crowd, but I'm not. And you have and so, great teeth. So somebody, apparently whites. <laughs> somebody, um, a lot of people will look at me and they'll be like, oh, like what year? Or, or did you do Stab Lab yesterday? Or like, oh, all this stuff. And I just kind of like look, look at them for a second. I'm like, uh-huh. No, and I'm like, I'm just not a dentist. But my low comes from, so I've been growing up the stash again. It's my playoff steez, a little playoff dust. And uh, it's 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 getting there. It's it's. Oh, we it's see it. Com- it's somewhat visible. And uh so I go yesterday, I'm rocking the stash. I get two compliments, right? And there's uh, somebody's girlfriend that's like standing kind of nearby. And she decides to pipe in, you know, as, as these bros are gassing me up. They're like, dude, I love the stash. I'm like, hey, thanks, bro. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, she kind of looks over. She pipes in. She's like, mm, yeah, no, it's it's too thin. It's it's so thin that you should not be allowed in public. I was like, oh. She's like, you look like you should be on some kind of list. I was like, oh. Who asked her? I know. And then I made some joke about it. I'm like, yeah, keep me away from those uh, parks, boys. Oh, <laughs> <You know>? God. <laughs> yeah, just a little Who dark humor. She came I know. over. I know. She came over while, while everyone was complimenting you, and she thought, mm, I'm going to be the. She, you know who she was? She was the fifth dentist. <laughs> She's the four fifth out of five dentist. De- four out of five dentists recommend, except for this one. She's the fifth dentist. Dude, you live that in real life. That's crazy. Four out of five dentists were like, we love Crest and this mustache. And she comes over. <laughs> she's like, no. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Wow. You uh, lived a commercial in real life. She was the opposing opinion. She was. They exist. But we only care yeah. about the four dentists. So if the majority, if you're getting four out of five, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take yeah, my that's 80. 80%. That's 80%. That's a, that's a I'll passing take my B. That's B. That's a B. Well, that's a B minus, but I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it depends. Does your, does your fictional school in your mind uh, do minus and plus, or it's just A, B, C? Uh, it could be. Actually, no, they just do written evaluations. There are no grades here. No grade. Pass, fail. At so my, pass. No. Oh, no. It's it's beyond that. They, they write an in-depth evaluation about who you are as a person, as a learner. <laughs> And then we have parent-teacher conferences, and we go over your report. I mean, it's it's extensive. It's at least they 10 have, pages. They have a whole folder on you. 
They got a file on it. Yeah. yeah they get it. <laughs> That's what they do in my the, the school of my mind here. It's holistic learning here. <laughs> we love holistic learners. <laughs> so anyway, so she just came at me out of nowhere and it was great. You know, my head started to inflate too much and she really brought me back down. So uh, thank you. Somebody's girlfriend. All right. So moving on to my sports low. My sports low is the fact that the Memphis Grizzlies, they were so close. But they couldn't pull it out against the uh, three-headed Hydra, the death squad, the fantastic team that is the Golden State Warriors. You know, I can't believe how quickly, you know, you know the Warriors took, I mean, the Grizzlies took two games. I can't believe how quickly the media switched up and they were like, oh, Warriors are going to lose this. Oh, they've done this before. They've been on the wrong side of 3-1. Like, come on. Yeah. It was I, I I I never followed that opinion. I feel like Memphis is pretty. Uh, they were gonna make it a series, but I knew yeah. that. Like, I think everyone knew that they were gonna lose, and yeah. then especially at the end without Morant, the past the last you know two two three games like you know two and two and change. He left. He left the what was it game four that he left? Yeah. Um. So. When I, yeah, when he was gone, I was I was like, they're toast, they're toast. When they won that game, when they won Game Five, I was like, what? I was like, How? They, didn't, they didn't just win; they won by like forty. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they were they they gave Clay Thompson the worst plus minus in in, in NBA playoff history for a single playoff game. Oh, tied, tied for the goat, tied with the goat. Andre Drummond, a minus forty-five in a, in a playoff game. Crap! Yeah, pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. At least it, I think it's at least in the last twenty-five years. But you know, from what I saw on you know Stat Muse and all that stuff, it, I don't know if it's happened before since they've kept plus-minus at least. Pretty yeah, crazy. right. When they Clay- qualify at their like shot clock era and yeah. So so Clay Thompson, Andre Drummond. That's some high company for that game five. But then that game six, they turned it on. And uh, yeah, the yeah. Well, they, I think they were just tired of hearing. It. They're like, all right, all right, all right, we're not gonna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is also the other low is um. Well, you know, uh, Dylan Brooks, the <laughs> UFC fighter that somehow made it to the NBA, uh, <laughs> made some. You know, I would say not disparaging, but he made some comments about the uh, the Warriors in their series, and he said, "quote We're young; they're getting old." So they know we're coming every year, unquote. Yeah. Interesting, interesting take. Um, what is this? Di- what is this guy doing? I don't know. He's what just he's, he's bad press. He's been full of bad press recently, and I don't think a lot of people like Dylan Brooks uh, right now. Like, first, the first thing is, I don't like the way he plays. He's a no, volume because, shooter. He's a volume not, shooter. Well, and, yeah. So, yeah, his numbers are going to be like 17, 18 points a game. They're going to look good, right? But that's on 19 but he, shots. Yeah. But yeah, so he sh- he's going to shoot, you know, 39% from the field or under, right? He might get to the free throw line. He might get hot. There's a game where he's going to finally hit, like, you know, his shots, and then he'll hit 30 like he did in the series. But for the most part, he's not a great offensive player. He is an average offensive player that is elevated by the amount of volume that he takes mm. from the team, right? And especially when John Morant is not there, he's going to take the the load of shots. He's going to take the most shots on the team. So 
when he's when he's gonna shoot horribly, and then he's gonna make comments like, "Oh, the team that just beat us, they know they know we're coming. They're old, we're young." And the, the, you just got you just lost. And then he's telling Curry. Apparently, so Curry came out um, and said that you know during the game that Brooks would come up to him and say he called himself a dynasty already. Um, <laughs> he called himself a dynasty already. I can't even finish the quote because that's all you need to know. Like I don't understand what this guy is doing. Like now he, it's all fun of games when you're winning. But then when you're losing, you're, and you've already lost, too. Your season is over. One, two, three, Cancun. Duh. They're on the banana boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's weird. No, straight, I agree. It's weird for him to come out and, I mean, be disrespectful. I mean, he broke a guy's elbow earlier in the series. He mm-hmm. sent Gary Payton out for the rest of the playoffs. He is straight up just, like, boxing people, fighting people, throwing elbows, throwing his legs around, like, playing way too physical like he he is the kid who just simply does not get it he starts like punching other kids on the playground while you're playing tag and you're like what are you doing so, like stop he's like i'm just playing and you're like no you are <laughs> hurting guy, me he's the guy that, uh in gym class he's the one going hard in open gym when you're playing basketball like it's open gym dude and it's not even and even just going hard. Yeah, he's he's like he's just like punching people. He's like jumping yeah. into people, <laughs> backing people down, elbow. Yeah, no. And then and then he'll uh, throw up a clunker too. That he's doing all of that, and then he'll come down the court and it'll be a one and done possession because he'll chuck a three, and it won't even be in the same area code. And you just know his threes are not going to hit. Like he, like let me read his. Uh, his three point percentages. So he went three for four, three for four, over five, one for six, three for four, one for ten in a game. One for ten. You would think after, you know, seven or eight, maybe you should start going to the rim. Uh, he had a five for six. That was probably his best three point shooting game. Uh, two for eight, zero oh for one, two for nine, one for four, and then in his thirty point game in the the last game of his season, seven for 15. So he had a good game, but he's just throwing up shots and they're not going 15, down. Th- 15 threes shot though. I get that. He made seven of them. And that's great. 50% is awesome, but that's a lot of threes, man. When John Moran is out, when John Moran is out, man, that guy thinks like he's John Moran. It's pretty crazy. He's yeah. not John Moran. No, he's not John Moran at all, and, and it's just weird. And again, it's a, it's a little disrespectful for him to again. You just lost. You're like we're a dynasty. I, I look again. Talk crap when you're down. Talk crap when you're down. But you gotta you gotta hand it to the Warriors, man. Right. At the end of the day, the winning the uh, the winning was what finished the deal, right? Like there's a lot of talk from both sides. You saw Curry and Morant going at it. You know them talking to each other. Um, you know the comments made outside of. Uh, the games, you know, in the press conferences, Steve Kerr, Dylan Brooks. But at the end of the day, the Warriors were the better team. Yeah, they had they had some games. They have flaws, Max. They have flaws. They're, when when you have a really skilled big man. They're not big enough. They're not yeah. big enough, right? Kevon yeah. Looney can't play the minutes to sustain. That last game, though, he had like 20 rebounds or something. That's crazy. I didn't, I didn't expect that. But overall, if, if there is a team that had a skilled big man with shooters around him with good players around him that that'll um that'll test the warriors their their interiors is not 
is not that great in terms of like defensively they're good right you have draymond big body he'll be able to um play as a solid defender halt progress but people can shoot over him that's the thing is like people can shoot once kevon looney is out and he doesn't play more than 20 25 minutes normally it's gonna be tough they have to play small so we'll see we'll see who they get in the next round Mm. um if they Mm -hmm. get phoenix deandre Ayton is gonna be a real handful he is a as he has been in every game that they've played this year yeah you could see even if the warriors won deandre Ayton was still a problem guy would have like 20 and 10 easy yeah, if they get Dallas, that's a little bit more their speed. They play small, they Kleba, focus on Kleba their guards. A stretch, yeah, yep. it's a little bit more their speed, right? They play really good perimeter defense, and they they switch everything. You know what Dallas would have to do? Boban extended minutes. It, it, it's just out of nowhere. No, they would. They would have. I, I would. I could see them using Boban in spurts. Just for height, just to, just to, cause you know, Boban offensively, he has that hook shot. He can, you know, he can kind of, you know, get to the mid range. If he can, a bit, if he get, can get close enough. Yeah. If he can get close enough to the basket. Yeah. He, he just hasn't, he just hasn't needed to be used. Like, you know what I mean? When they play, uh, Utah, they want to play small cause Gobert doesn't want to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And that's, I'm, but I mean, that's all about adjustments and that's why you have a roster, you know, yeah. you have different guys for different situations. I got to say though. Uh, I love the Boban State Farm commercials. Oh, the yeah. Do you need anything else? Because I can reach it. <laughs> and the the or the one with the. Why do we use coasters? Yeah. Oh yeah. Why do we have coasters <laughs> if nobody uses them? <laughs> oh, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, I loved I loved him and to, uh, Tobias Harris on the the goldfish commercials too. I remember when yes. we saw those last year. I I, yeah. I want them to come out with more of those. I thought those were hilarious. He's he's a good personality. I want him to stay in the league for as long as possible. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Or he should be an announcer. That's somebody who I want to keep seeing. Absolutely. Yeah. You right. Well, you. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about so another uh, key game seven that we have mentioning the Suns and the Mavs, but the other key game seven that me and Trey are going to watch very shortly is going to be Bucks versus Celtics. Shrey, I mean that game six. I did not. I did not have high hopes after we absolutely choked and lost game five. Where at home we gave up a fourteen point lead and let the Bucks just come back. And that was a fourteen slash eleven point lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, we got outscored eleven to two in the final minute forty. That's insane. They had twenty. No, they had seventeen offensive rebounds. For 20 points. Yeah. And we had five, right? Yeah. We had five offensive rebounds. And none the more important than the, last. the one where Smart and Brown collide into each other off of the free throw. And Bobby Portis puts it up um, and puts them back up in the lead. Oh. It's just, it's a rough, it was a rough game uh, looking, looking at it. You know, I was originally really angry at Smart. The last couple of possessions. But I'm not. Yeah, so, but those last couple of possessions were were him. Were him. Sure. The But we lost I'm, the game before that point. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm not, I, I'm, 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 originally I was mad at him. When I looked at that play where he got the ball and then Drew blocked him. I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give him too much flack for that because he was the only one to go to the ball. 
That's that and, was you right. You analyzed that play, and so he gets the inbound, quick inbound. We didn't use all five seconds, right? He sees the lane, but nobody was cutting down. Nobody's helping him. But I can't like he's not not at fault. It was a weak take. That was a terrible take. He barely yeah, he, got off the ground. He leaned backwards to it. He also went straight for the shot too. We had I think eleven seconds on the on the clock, Max. Yeah. Eleven seconds on the clock. I would Great rather see him dribble through. Right, yeah. so great drive, but also Jalen Brown was at the elbow. If he had looked, kind of made a peek before he went up for the the little, I don't know, fadeaway type of shot that he tried to do on the baseline, he maybe could have seen Jalen Brown cutting and been able to get him a, a great open look at the rim. So, you know, that's kind of a second guess. And then also uh, from, you know, listening to people about that play and also watching that play over again, there was a miscommunication and especially in the postgame comments between Al Horford and Jason Tatum on the other side of the court. Uh, where Al Why Horford does this always to... happen to us? Why does it always happen to us where it's just a stupid miscommunication? It was the same thing when the Raptors uh, in that bubble, in that bubble series where, yeah, right. we beat them, but we lost a key game because uh, there was a miscommunication on who was supposed to guard OG and Anobi. Right. And so when you have uh, Horford, he needs to set a screen for Tatum. And also the action is on the other side of the court. Like, I think Tatum needs to be closer to the ball with only 11 seconds left. If he's trying to do all this movement with, you only get five seconds to inbound the ball. If he's trying to do all this movement on the other side and come around, you know, try to get the ball and stuff. I don't know how much time that would have taken off. Probably would have only gotten one real chance at it. So, you know, I didn't really like the play call and, you know, I put that on. I put that on everyone for that last play. Really, Yudoka for the play call, Al Horford and Jason Tatum for the miscommunication. Smart for being able to improvise, but not being able to try to kind of get out of he his own way on that patient. play. Yeah, he was. He, he didn't play with patience. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I really, I really look at, and this is what I we saw in Game Six. Max was for the. Really, for the since the the net series, Jason Tatum has had some really late starts in a sense of he doesn't really get going until the second half, and especially the fourth quarter. Especially if you look at the the last couple of games, he was hit you know before game six. I mean, where he was getting thirty, a lot right. of his points came at the end of the third into the fourth. Right. We didn't really see, and so that's a part of it too. When his offense doesn't start the game. And he doesn't get himself going early. They look off, like you know what I mean. They they're able to to adjust to that. I mean the Bucks defense, they're able to adjust to that. Tatum's not you know looking to be aggressive. Okay, we're able to you know maybe one on one him and then have to and then you know what I mean. Then oh, their but defense I'm tired of the ISO, right? I'm tired of the ISO. It's not effective. It's not working. And I mean, half the time it just it just wastes time. Like he's using the first seven seconds of the clock to like kind of like sit there and then decide. He's like, okay, then I'm gonna ISO. Then he uses another five seconds or six seconds, or or he just drains out the entire shot clock. And yeah. it goes back to the really bad habit that we've talked about before, where we'll use up too much of the clock. He'll chuck it to he'll either chuck it up himself or he'll chuck it to somebody else to make a bad shot. Mm. A bad rush shot. And it's easy for a defense to read if somebody's ISOing and they only have to play one pass. Exactly. Really easy to guard that. So that was the thing where I was like, Tatum stepped up at the end, but it felt like at the end they were kind of playing 
passively. They were playing in a sense they... It's like they didn't want to... It's not they were playing to win. They were playing not to lose. They're like, okay, we have this lead. We just we just can't give it up is how they were playing instead of extending. And that's something that was a complete reverse in game six. Game six, they put the pressure on early. Tatum got got to his spots early. He was putting them up early. He was aggressive early. And that's how we were able to to wear away that Giannis performance, which is otherworldly. We'll come we'll go back to that game six, Max, as one of the greatest duels in mm. NBA playoff history. Mm. Like that's how unreal of a duel that was for one player to have 40 and 20 and another player to have 46, 46, nine and three or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. And, and, to, and he had a stretch where he had a le- like 11 straight or something. Seven, oh. three pointers made. Yeah. Insane. We'll come back in that game. One of the greatest duels in NBA playoff history um, was that game. And we had some great secondary performances in that game, too. Jalen Brown had a good game. Jalen X. (laughs) He had a really good game. And Uh, uh, I just, well, I need to see, I need to see him involved more. That's the other thing is I need, we need to really, if we put that trust in him, he will perform. He's that guy. Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown is that guy. He's got all the skills to pay the bills, and I just need to see the ball go through him more. I don't want to see I don't want to see him ISO, but I need to see him involved in a few more possessions than he is. If I had a real complaint about game six, it was when Tatum was off the court. When Tatum leaves the when Tatum leaves left that game, you know, to take his break, and it was Jalen Brown at the head, they lost like a lot it? of momentum. Well, they just lost a lot of momentum in game six. Well, and that's something was, to be they afraid. were also trying to work with the scared role players. Yeah. Uh, Grant Williams, I don't know if Where somebody is he? said something to him. Well, but Trey, he started off so strong. In in the net series. No, no, but in this series too, he was like, he was playing great defense. Yeah. He was blocking Giannis. He was hitting and shooting his threes. But somewhere between game two, three, and four, somebody must have said, stop shooting or something like that. Because he all of a sudden like disappeared. He went 0 for 3 in game 5. He only yeah. took three sh- but but he looked the thing is normally when this guy is phenomenal at a catch and shoot scenario, he all of a sudden was doing these like weird fakes and just not shooting it. They'll leave him open. They will not close out effectively. But they somehow bait him into driving, which is exactly what they want. Yeah. And, and the play will not, fail. He's not good off the dribble. He's he's really poor off the dib- dribble, dribbling it off his leg, dribbling it out of bounds. He, he's just not inability to gather and finish. Yeah. Yeah. So when he's at that wing three and they and and drew holiday steps up on him, he kind of panics and starts his dribble with no real say, like he doesn't know what he's going to do with the ball at that point. And that's when he's in trouble. That first game, he, they were able to get him the ball. They were able to get him in rhythm and he, what he made seven threes, right? Or six threes. So, they haven't been able to do that since, right? He went two for since that first game. He went two for nine, three for nine, over for three, over for three from three. All right, from the field, one for six, one for five, over for two, over for one. So he's made two threes in the past four games. He made six in game one. Sorry, in that's game what two. I'm saying. 
That's what I'm saying, right? So game two, when that blowout was, he had he had like twenty something points. He was playing great defense, and we talked about that. We were like, "Wow, Grant Williams is doing a great job." But yeah, somewhere in that game three, game four, he just stopped shooting. Yeah, well, one you got to give it up to Milwaukee in that sense, where they're really good at stepping up to contest. They don't have they don't have hard but not all the time, like the but not all the time. But they they have players that will do it. Drew Holiday is like unbelievable at making people have to drive when they're not mm. comfortable. Mm. They want to take that catch and shoot like Grant Williams does, like Peyton Pritchard wants to, and he steps up. Pat Conton, he's a solid defensive player. Wesley Matthews, the same way. He gets up in your grill. You can't move. You can't shoot. You'll take a contested shot. So mm. Grant Williams is having a real tough time getting getting his shot on these guys. They're, they're big guards, right? It's easier when, you know, they do they do like a little pick and roll action and Grant steps back to the three and Kyrie's or Kyrie's just standing in, you know, in the post or something. He doesn't even care. Or KD's not putting his hand up to contest. You know what I mean? Or, or, or when they when they get a in. pick and roll on a on a true big man and they can't close out as fast. So if they get exactly. Lopez on that and he's not stepping out as quickly, that's when they're going to find those open shots. But yes, for a big, strong, quick guard to just be right in your face and play those pick and rolls and those those plays and those handoffs really well, yeah, I agree. It makes it a lot tougher. And you got to give credit to Milwaukee's team construction, right? It's like they know that Giannis is their guy. Yeah. And what they did over the past few years is surround him with guys like. Connaughton, Matthews, Middleton. I mean, Middleton is their arguable number two, but he's a good shooter from the mid range and from the three. Yeah. Right now, you got Drew Holiday, who's a defensive stopper and a playmaker. It, he can he can get his uh, you know points wise when he needs to, and he has in the series. But then again, you have those role players: Bobby Portis, three and D; Connaughton, three and D; Wesley Matthews, three and D; Grayson Allen when he was playing normally, you know, three and D throughout the season. You have all these shooters and options now, and while Milwaukee doesn't take a ton of threes, it's still nice to have for Giannis to have that bailout pass, for Drew to have that bailout pass, and for those guys who can knock down the shots, and they they have. You know, I know the first half um, of Game Six was you know five Milwaukee threes to like eleven from Boston. Yeah, you know, but I don't know whoever wins today, and we will find out in. Well, only a few hours, right? We will find out who wins the series. Um, Crazy. I'm glad that the Celtics took it to seven. I'm glad that they did not roll over. I mean, game five was a devastating loss, but I'm glad that they did not roll over. And I think, again, they have the pieces. And I would rather watch the team play of Boston versus the team play of Miami. I don't think the Bucks have anything on the heat, to be honest. And I maintain that. Um, I would rather watch Heat-Celtics conference finals rematch versus Bucks. uh yeah, versus Bucks Heat. Anyway, point being, I'm glad Celtics took it to seven, but whoever whoever wins is is the better team. And that's yeah. It and this is where this is where home court advantage really really helped us, and is really I'm hoping it helps us. You know, being in a game seven against a team like Milwaukee, where we could have lost. The last couple games of the last game of the season dropped down to three or four. You know, Milwaukee goes up to two or the Sixers go up to two or you know what I mean? And if we're put in a similar spot, now we're playing a game seven on the road. 
So by winning that game, that last game, getting getting into the the two spot and beating Brooklyn, we've put ourselves in a position against a really, really good Milwaukee team to play at home in a game seven. And now it's just up to using that, you know, feeding off the crowd. This is the type of game where I feel like if Celtics are going to play that do or die three, three point shooting type of type of play, it's this type of game at home, right? It's, it's way, it's so much tougher to do that on the road. So if, if any time to get hot is going to be at home and being it, the biggest game of the season, it's so much better than it's at home. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. And we shall see. Let's go Celtics, Celtics, Celtics in seven. All right. Do you That's see the it. guy, the, his graduation? He, um, he put up a, a, his phone. That's it said Celtics in seven on his phone. And they had him on the Jumbotron when he was coming across. So they, uh, they, he, he showed it and it, it said people like took a picture of it. And uh, I just saw him tweet that the Celtics like contacted him, like they DM'd him and they got him game seven tickets for tonight. Uh, so he went That's viral fantastic. enough that like the Celtics, like, you know, someone from the team got him tickets. Like, to get the game. this guy in here. Yeah. Get this guy in here. We need that energy. We need the Celtics at seven guy. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. Suns in four. <laughs> yeah, it's tougher to put up. It's tougher to put up seven fingers. Celtics at seven. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have to talk. We actually, we, Trey, we have to talk about this now. We have to talk about the disaster in Philadelphia. Oh, the Philadelphia crap steak. Oh my god! <laughs> How does that one taste, Max? <laughs> It tastes really bad. It tastes like an <laughs> aging, benign James Harden, oh who is basically God. a wet blanket. You know what? That's the episode title: Philadelphia Crap Steak. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see right how now. this. I mean, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, what ideas we come up for, for the thumbnail. For the thumbnail, yeah. yeah. Well, go work some Photoshop <laughs> magic. You'll see. You'll all see. Uh, but the Philadelphia Crap Steak. I mean. Let's talk about. Let's talk about. Do you want to talk about James Harden first? You want to talk talk about Doc Rivers first? Let's talk about James Harden first. Let's talk about James Harden. That's the let's big. talk about a scoreless second half, twenty five minutes played, scoreless in an elimination game. Ugh. They they literally. I watched. I watched a couple of analysis videos on this. James Harden used to be the guy, and this is why he came to Philly. A guy to win one on ones to get his shot whenever he needed to get his shot, to beat the crap out of defenders because they don't know which way he's going to go, and just get to the cup or shoot a three. This guy did neither. He sat there, failed to make plays, turned the ball over, couldn't be bothered to get back on defense, and again, played like none other than a wet blanket. I am incredibly disappointed because we, we knew or we were under the assumption that James Harden's talent would be something to kind of carry him through. But all yeah. of that supposed talent did not show at all. I think when we talked about James Harden, how we've talked about him from the get-go, I feel like has been that sentiment where he didn't have a r- great start to the season, right, with the new uh, shooting rules and offensive rules that they put in. 
he was having a lot of trouble getting his shot in Brooklyn and, you know, getting, being aggressive and all this stuff. And we were like, Oh, well he'll figure it out. Like he's had, Cause he's so skilled. Yeah. He's had slumps before he just gets hot. And when he gets hot, you don't want to, you know what I mean? Like he just hits everything. Yeah. So we thought, okay, he was going to get to that. And he never really got it going all season. There is always something right. And then until that boiled over, he asked for that trade out. He gets what he wants in a reuniting uh, uh, with Daryl Morey, right? And he's still he's still doing the same thing, Max. He's still pulling the same crap. He's it's it's the sense of entitlement that I'm like the talent is there, right? He's he got named top seventy five. You wouldn't have thought he was top 75 after this playoffs. No. He he got t- he got named top 75 over players like Dwight Howard and uh Vince Carter and you know what I mean? Uh I don't know if Melo was a top 20 is top 75. He was, yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he was. was. Okay, but like he got you know, he got named over some guys that got snubbed because yeah. of because of his his track record. But you wouldn't have thought he made top seventy-five the way he played in the series. He just wasn't. He was just passive when he he couldn't make the right decision. His he used to be able to drive at will, Max in Houston. He could drive against the two, the three best. guys, split yeah. the defense, get to the rack, and he was getting he was getting stripped at the at the free throw line. He couldn't even get past the free throw line in some of these possessions. Yeah, Without and these also, and again, the, the a lot of those plays were against not great defenders. Yeah. Tyler Hero is not a great defender. He's talented offensively. He is not a great defender. And for somebody like James Harden, who, when you get that matchup off of a switch, should have been able to drop 40 on his head alone. And with yeah. that, like exactly like you said, I mean, we have seen him. I used to get so mad watching James Harden play because I'm like, this guy, you, what can you do? What can you do? Every time you think you've had him, he's going the other way. He finds that space where there is no space to be found. But, I mean, Shrey, it is incredibly disappointing. And the fact that he's going to make so much money next year, is he going to stay with Philly? I don't know. I don't think the guy has any integrity. When he was like, oh, I need to leave Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think it's a sense of entitlement. It, it, it just it boggles my mind. I mean, it boggles my mind when he wanted to just leave Houston. And we know for him to not be in the greatest of shape to start seasons too. Like he felt out of shape all year this year. He just did not come in with the mindset of I got to get myself going from the beginning. He misses he came, the Houston clubs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those Philly clubs aren't treating him so well. The Philly club. He went to the Brooklyn clubs. He's like this, ain't it? And then he went to the Philly clubs. He's like, oh, <laughs> he's like, oh no. <laughs> he's like, where's the sun? <laughs> he comes out of the club. It's still dark. He's like, oh my god, daylight savings. Oh, <laughs> he's not an East Coast it's guy. It's cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, no. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. What you were saying. It's just, yeah, it's just ridiculous when we talk about him now wanting to sign a contract, right? So he he made a comment in the in the exit in the post game, talking about he'll be back in Philadelphia and that he'll opt in, right? His his opt in is 
$47.3 million on the player option. And that he said that he will continue to do whatever it takes to allow this team to compete at the highest level moving forward. Is that something except, that we can trust? Except for get in shape. No, I don't believe a word that's coming out of his mouth. Period. It's, it's insane. He He's going to be eligible. Like, his Philly's got to make a real decision here. He's going to be eligible to sign a four-year, $233 million contract extension. And in one of those years, he would be making $61.7 million with that extension. So, in a single year, in a single year. So, if I was Philly, I wouldn't even. I would. Well, I mean, do they? They don't have the option to decline that, do they? Well, so he's got the player option. They could. They could trade him <laughs> this year. They could find a partner that would be willing to pay him that amount. I would and trade him. Um, but then, how many trade partners are going to go? Uh, try to get a guy that's going to be on his what his fourth team in two, three seasons. Yeah. With no and will will Harden depending on where he's traded, will he say, Yeah, I'll sign here? Right? I'll sign that extension here. He he he's not it's weird because he's in it for the money, but he still wants to play where he wants to play. So he'll he he won't play when you need him to. He'll get his money, but then he'll ask, I want to play where I want to play. I want to get this money. So if you like you can trade for me, but it doesn't mean I have to be loyal to you. So like, where does the team go from there? And that's something I thought Philly avoided when they traded Ben Simmons. I thought Philadelphia, like, so coming off of that trade, I think we were generally positive about that trade, Max, about how you got, you meaning the Sixers got the best player in the deal considering he's been playing. You know his track record. You know you needed a a, a scorer. Yeah. And a, and he's a good and he's a facilitator as well. If he's playing on his game, he's doing all of that. Yes. But now you're put in a position where if he's going to play like this in the city, you know how he's going to play in Philly now. You know how he's been playing is the potential that it just switches up and he's like, he turns into uh, 2017 Harden again? Well, the issue, I, I don't think there is. I think he's he's motivated. I agree. He's mo- motivated by the wrong things. Uh, the Philly clubs, I'll say it again, aren't that good. They're not going <laughs> to treat him well. Uh, they're not going to treat him the same as he was in Houston. And the guy, the guy, his, his stock value, much like Ben Simmons, is declining. Yeah. The more he continues to act like this, it's it's a real thing. I mean, you have to be a professional both on and off the court. And in both instances, he has showed us that he is neither. And you want to talk if about you're just many... not going to play because I don't want to play and because I'm out of shape, that's not professional. For if sure. you are snaking around in your teams and complaining, yeah. And then just doing all this stuff and having zero integrity, that's not professional. Don't even don't even have to go that far, Max. It's who wants to play with him at this point. Like people look at the if talent. Joel Embiid is is kind of low key dragging him in the press conference. Yeah, James Harden's is a laughing stock. We we like KD doesn't want to play with them anymore, right? Or he doesn't want to play with KD, but KD doesn't like him anymore. Kyrie doesn't like him anymore. You saw LeBron James 
laughing at him during the the All Star draft, right? Joel Embiid doesn't like him, or you know what I mean. Like he he understands that James Harden has the side to him at least, and he doesn't like that. It like Doc Rivers is kind of fed up with him. Who's gonna play with this guy? He's it's one it's it's like this enigma. It's it feels like this kind of Terrell Owens enigma, where the talent is so vast. You know what he can do on an NBA floor. You know he got himself to this position because of his ability to score, because he turned himself into a into a facilitator, and he was consistently doing it year after year after year. But when it comes down to the biggest games, it's the same result with this guy. He's never able to come clutch in the biggest games. And I feel like we get put into this loop of, this is going to be the year only setting ourselves up for disappointment when he inevitably does the same thing that he did the year before in the playoffs. Like he makes so many playoffs that there's a big sample size now. And it took yep. Chris Paul. Chris Paul had to drag his ass to the Western conference finals. And then he got hurt. And then in game seven, I don't even know what that performance, like horrible performance from that team, from him, in the biggest game of his career. Right, so was that his ten pointer? That was, yeah. It's I think he had. I like think that. he had was, ten points or something like that. Let me let me get the actual test. Yeah, ten points of a scoreless first half. I saw people talking about that as well. Stray, James Harden is not going to win anything. He's a he's a he's a he's a choke artist. And I mean, remember when he was in his prime on the Rockets? Again, like you said, it took Chris Paul and a, a pretty solid team around him year after year after year of like getting to the playoffs, but getting eliminated in the first or second round. Like it just So he had he had thirty two in that game in that game seven. But I'm pretty sure the Rockets as a team shot. Four for seven for forty four from three, with Harden going two for thirteen. So you know what I mean, like in the biggest spots, he just does not come up clutch, Max. And so, wh- I don't he's, know why no, sure, I, he's we keep the doing this to ourselves. He is the opposite of clutch. He is a choke artist. I feel you know, like it's people- a TikTok sound. It's like, oh, you're an artist. Yeah, are you good at it? <laughs> It's just James Harden choking on steak. That's that's <laughs> I want to see that video. And we keep falling into the same trap. I feel like this is the first year where I don't think, or at least for next year, this offseason is going to be the first offseason where people aren't going to fall into that trap anymore, Max. Of oh, we know James Harden is a a good player, and you know he's this got is the be talent. The he just needs the right situation. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. This is I think this is the first year people's eyes are going to be opened to James Harden and they're not going to deal with the BS anymore. They're going to they're going to take everything he does at face value and not try to look for the potential of it. And it's going to be interesting well, to see how value, Philly deals he, with that. Face value he stinks. You got a guy again with no spine. I, I wouldn't as a, as a GM would not want to bring him onto my team at this point. Yeah. Because not only we see that he cannot perform, which was his greatest asset, right? It's just his ability to get points, get buckets and assists. Uh, but now again, we see that he has no integrity nor loyalty. So as a GM, I'm not bringing him onto my team with with the fear that he could request a trade in four months. Yeah, 
And when we look at the series with Miami, right? Those first two games, you had no Embiid. That's the chance for you to step up. And he had just really lackadaisical performances where you even questioned, like, is this, a, is this the same superstar that we have watched take over games, you know, 60-point performance, 60-point triple-double? Is that the same guy? Like, you question that when he's scoring 13 on, you know, 6 of 15. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just just performances that you would expect from a role player. And when you have to step up, right? When you're the second, uh, when you're the first or second offensive player and your second guy, you're, you're, you know, your running mate goes down, you're expected to take the the massive workload and perform. Whether or not that you it leads to a win or a loss, when we look at that game, we should say should be dropping at least twenty five a night. Oh, it should be it should be twenty five and ten. It should be thirty and ten. Yeah, we should be saying James Harden did his best without Embiid, but they but lost the game. Lost. Right, right, right. But that wasn't when the he's story. got like sixteen points and like five or six assists in like thirty nine minutes. Like, what are we playing you thirty nine minutes to do? Because it's not like he's playing great defense either. Yeah, they, he made to, and he made Tobias Harris look like the best player on the court. Well, hey, Toby stepped up big time. So did so did Maxi. They tried their best. And Shrey, I want to answer a question that you asked before: Is can you mm-hmm. blame Doc Rivers? Yeah. Uh, while I do think that coaching and culture has a big impact on it, uh, I think that they Philly has been in tough situations every year. I mean, last year it was Ben Simmons not showing up in the playoffs. Like, not even not showing up, just completely disappearing. Yeah. Right? This year, it's James Harden. It's like you traded for this guy. This is a key asset. You're relying on him to perform, and he doesn't perform. And Doc kept it pretty real in his press conferences. He's like, one, like, you guys don't give me enough credit. And I agree with that. I think Doc is a good coach. I mean, I've watched several interviews. I I watched how he manages games. Is he perfect? No. But I still think he's a good coach, and he makes sure that he holds his guys accountable. At the same time, it's there's only so much that he can do when his stars are not performing, right? He's not going to put in Korkmaz for 35 minutes in a playoff game and say, oh, he's going to fill the gap that Harden's going to do. So everybody's like, oh, your rotations are bad. You have to, you have to clean that up. He, he's only working, and we know playoff rosters tighten up. He's only working with so many guys, and he was relying – on James Harden, and then the lack of Embiid. I mean, I can understand why they lost this series. It shouldn't have been a team that lost this easily, too. When I think of how that team is constructed... When you look at the roster. Yes. Yeah. When you look at the roster, you have Embiid, right? Yeah, he's not there for the first two games, but he comes back, and they win those two games. You have a roster with Embiid, Harden facilitating. You have shooters around him with Niang and Korkmaz, even though Cork Moss can be really stupid sometimes. My God, he's just, yeah. he thinks he's Kobe sometimes. Yeah, um, yes, he does. Uh, but he's a good shooter. Uh, Danny Green, right? Yeah. Great role player. It's interesting because they gave up in that Harden trade. They gave up Curry and Drummond. It's too high of a price. Yeah. And when you look at what kind of, what kind of killed them was they didn't have an efficient big man behind Embiid, right? Paul Reed got roasted by Bam Adebayo over and over again. They had to put in DJ 
DeAndre Jordan. And Doc had to Doc had to side with him when everyone was like, what is this guy doing on the court? Like, if they had Drummond and Curry and they had Maxi, you know, doing all the 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 facilitating, you know, being the energy guy, playing that uh massive workload of point guard minutes, honestly, I would they'd probably be better off in that series. If they Without had Curry. James Harden. Without yes. James, without James Harden, but having and Curry even if Ben and Simmons, yes, and even if there was a Ben Simmons on the bench, it's Ben Simmons in playing Brooklyn, and, and for these guys, I mean, it's I mean, you hit it exactly that you hit the nail on the head when you're like the entitlement, the yeah. entitlement. It is a privilege to play in the NBA, to play basketball at the highest level, and we've said it time and time again. There are guys who are just as skilled and just as talented as the both of them, who would yeah. kill, kill for the opportunity to be where they are and make a 1% of what they make. Hell, I think a lot of these guys would do it for like, you know, three hots and a cot. Really, you guys would play for three meals a day and a place to sleep if they could play in the NBA and be in part of this culture. So yeah. for these guys who have, yeah, been here a little bit, you, yeah, you've been good players, but for them to just take all this stuff for granted and really just squander away this limited opportunity, I think is, is a little upsetting. Yeah, And it's upsetting because these guys who want it so bad, but again, haven't gotten lucky or haven't don't know the right people or you know whatever the reasons are that can't get in, it just it sucks. It sucks for them, and it sucks to just know that that's the reality. So, yeah. yeah, I lose a lot of respect for players like Harden and Simmons who just just piss it all away because of oh, this is this is un- you know what I mean? It, a trivial, yeah. trivial excuses. I mean, if I had the opportunity, if anybody had the opportunity to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, Christ, even if you hated the guys, you're still going to win games. And Joel Embiid, <laughs> right? Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid was second in MVP voting. And this is uh, and this is what a season come down to. I was he's like, playing, get it. He's playing with a, you know a, a broken face, uh, a torn ligament in his thumb. He's got like like a knee issue, a shoulder issue. I don't know what the heck he's been playing with, but he's out there. He missed the first two games, came back in game three and game four, put up good performances and won those games almost single handedly. Like I mean. I mean, Tobias Harris did play really well. Like, I'm not going to. And Maxi. And Maxi. Oh, and Maxi. Maxi, when you you have the second-year guy being irritated at James Harden for not playing well, right? You saw that on the, on the, um, in the huddle when after James Harden got stripped, uh, you know, doing like a behind-the-back move and then they get a transition bucket. Miami gets a transition bucket. Maxi's like, Maxie's like just so fed up. He's like, "What are you?" He's almost like, "What are you do- like? What are we doing out here?" Like, like when when the second year guy has that to complain about, you know you're doing something wrong. But he's he, right. He's right to complain about that, right? And people sure. criticize. They're like, they're like, "Oh, you just violated the pecking order. He can't do that because he's only a second year." James Harden's a veteran. No, he had every right to be upset. But that's when you know that something is wrong. Was when violating yeah. the pecking order is not out of line. Yeah, when right? people can agree with him. Yeah. Yeah. That's like when he's the guy that's putting in the most effort as a guard. That's like it shouldn't be that like he should be putting in that effort, but Harden should be putting that same effort level. 
and Maxi was carrying, so trying to carry them in some of these games. He had a he had a thirty point performance in one of these losses, right? I, I forgot the the specific game, but he was getting to the rack. He was putting his body on the line. He was, you know what I mean? Like he was just doing everything you can when the guy next to you literally could not care less to be in that spot. Mm-hmm. And it, it really tarnishes his his legacy, James Harden's legacy, where you look at him as a regular season performer and then you have to separate that from his uh, him as a playoff performer. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's something that people can't forget about when, you know, when he starts getting Hall of Fame nods and when he starts getting... um. Uh, you know, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer easily. Mm. But it goes without saying that the flaw in his game was him giving him his effort level, right? So it's going to be difficult um, to kind of separate that fact over whatever, however long his career ends up being for the rest of his career. So we'll see how it turns out. I'm not excited if I'm a Philly fan to to see James Harden back and he he's got to come out with like a completely different attitude and even in that how can you trust him at this point so well it's the same thing it's where Philly fans were like Ben Simmons we don't want you here I don't oh, care what you what don't care what your skill level is goodbye you talk about you talk about ruthless Boston fans Philly fans Max no, Philly fans are worse. Philly because fans if, like, are when Danny Green had bad games. You. Yeah, like but Charles Barkley talks somebody, about it all the if, time. Yeah, if somebody has one bad game, Philly fans will be on their. Oh mind. my goodness! Ch- like Charles Barkley was averaging like twenty-seven and twelve, and they weren't winning games, and they were like, "Well, you're not winning winning games, Charles." Like, you know what I mean? Like he's. It doesn't matter how big of a star you are, what your name is, what your pedigree is. If they don't like you, they won't like you. They'll boo you. They'll boo the home team. Joel Embiid has gotten booed. Yeah. But why hasn't he been booed since? It's because he he literally puts his body on the line. He's one of the toughest players. The focus focus he's put in since he's come out of that, like, injury-laden first couple of years. Yeah. The focus he's put in on his body on like you know what I mean like eating right his his training regimen staying healthy even playing hurt uh just the dominance factor that he's continued like they can't say anything about him anymore but if James Harden is not doing all of that he's not going to last in Philly so yeah it's just, just as simple I, as that yeah I agree now before we close out the podcast as the Celtics game is about to start soon we have one more sad thing to talk about today and that is that the Boston Bruins lost game seven to the Hurricanes uh impressive the fact that they were able to hold on bring the series back bring it to seven yeah losing by one ah it was a little it was a little bit of a too little too late in this case Max uh yeah, and just right. Just they were they were down three one. Yeah, they were down three one. Um, got caught on defense, just kind of staring at the puck and not getting manning up on a guy and leaving someone open right near the net. And it allowed uh, you know free pathways for Kane's players like Max Domi, who had two goals, to just be right by the net and and get a rebound or get a pass that you know just it's just easy to pot. 
So I like how I like how they 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 kind of stuck with it and they got that you know last goal. Pasternak had the goal with like twenty seconds left, but at that point, it's really tough to expect a team to score two in twenty seconds. Like two goal, like one goal in a period is tough, let alone two in twenty seconds. So to to bank on that 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 just shows that they just didn't have enough. And this Canes team was speedy. They ran. They're tough. They they punch you in the mouth, um, you know. But I show. I, I saw a lot from the Bruins. It just it, it's it feels like we're on the the last legs of this Bruins current core. I don't know what that means. Um, in well, terms we talked of about it earlier this year, a contract concerns. Yeah, with a bunch of guys. So it, yeah, that the that's first be... being the first being Patrice Bergeron. He's your right. captain. He's you know, fifteen, sixteen years in the league. Does he retire? Does he want to move closer to home? Does he ask for a trade? You know, to to Montreal or something like that. That's a rumor that has been going on throughout the year. Was this his last year as a Bruin? Uh, he came out after the post game and said, "You know, I'm not really in the position to talk about that right now, as one would when their future is on on hold." But that's a big concern, right? He's the he's the the cog that that keeps everything running. He's obviously not a, not flashy. He doesn't he doesn't really score a lot, but he's like the steady force. And on that team, the even the even keeled guy. When you have a Brad Marchand who's kind of all over the place, he's talented, but you know, he's he's pesky, but he'll he kind of crosses the line a lot. Bergeron's the complete opposite. He's the guy that's even keeled. He says all the right things. He's you know kind of keeps his head down and plays and like that. I feel like that's where that balance was with that Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak kind of core. They're gonna have to make. They're gonna have to see kind of how this Bergeron thing plays out, and they have a they have a good they have a people that they have signed right. Hampus Lindholm, who I thought was out of the series when he got hit, um, came back, kind of showed his toughness there. They have him for eight years. They have McAvoy for another like almost a decade. You know what I mean? So it's they got they got guys on the on the team that are young and they're going to stay. But now it's about the older guys. Where, where do those guys go? Where does the Bergeron's go? What do you do with, um, you know, guys like Craig Smith and, you know, you fired, you fired. (laughs) There's a lot, there's a lot. They need to to get faster. That's the one thing, Max is the, the hurricane showed them this year that, Speed, uh, yeah. speed kills. Yeah, sure. I only, I only watched. I, full disclosure, I only watched highlights of the hockey games of the Bruins games. But you could tell uh, that the other team, they were literally were just like. It, it, Look, it's already hard yeah. enough for me to find the puck as is. Now, when their players are moving as fast as it, yeah. So both teams had toughness, but when you have toughness and speed, that's just like. It's just another. It's just another animal when you have when you can combine both. That's what the Canes felt like this year, and yeah. against us, and seeing how we were doing on the road in Carolina, there was cause for concern. You thought maybe okay, the the Bruins could buck the trend in Game Seven, but you know 
they kept giving up early goals in the series. Um, they weren't the first to score in a lot of these games and giving up goals at the end of periods. And it's just a recipe for, for disaster when you're, when you're not, when you're not the first one to score in a hockey game, when you're not trying to put the pressure on or when you can't put the pressure on. When you lose three games to the same team and you score one goal during the regular yeah. season. Yeah. That should have been your wake up call right there. And I yeah. know we got Humpus Lindstrom. <laughs> I love how you keep mentioning. And I know that that injury definitely affected them, but yeah, you definitely, it's going to be, we're going to have to wait and see, and we're going to have to, uh, evaluate what they do but you know the bruins are a good organization just yeah much like a lot of boston sports they're a good organization and they know kind of how to clean things up and they'll make some tough moves but but keep the faith figure it, it just out fe- yeah it just felt like they they missed their chance being in the stanley cup and being in game seven and and the loss that you had in game seven against the blues it just feels like that was the peak of this kind of late run for this core group and kind of seeing that it's we're we're on the downturn of this group potentially is sad like that that was the only chance that they had it's tough especially especially when you see all these teams getting better and you see teams like tampa who won back to back and are now looking for a three-peat they won game seven against toronto wow so um toronto I just want to make a comment about Toronto. Toronto, what a what a choking organization. I know we lost in Game 7, but I would never want to be Toronto. My God, 18 years without a playoff series win. Oh. <laughs> that is 18 seasons of just... Have, and they've had some really good teams. Like this t- Toronto team was, I think, third in points and standings over the, uh, over the year. And so they're a really good team. Austin Matthews was a 60-goal scorer this year. They had a really, really, like, they had a wagon team. And they do. They, for the past couple of years, they've had a wagon team, but they just can't crack it. They just can't crack that first round. For some reason, it just gets to them. The pressure mounts in Game 7s, Game 6s. Oh, just- Toronto! <laughs> T-Dot. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah. So- but we'll see about the Bruins. You know, it's going to be a wait-and-see offseason almost. So. Yeah, and we'll see about these Celtics. So, well, we're going to end this podcast right here. You've been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. Shrey and I are going to go watch the C's. Celtics in seven, baby. Let's go. Season seven. Season seven. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas. And we will see you next time. Peace.